This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Every now and then, we like to take a little left turn here on the Green and Bull Podcast and do things a little bit differently here, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to do in this episode. I'm Joe Stiglish. Alongside me, as always, is David Feldman. David, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, Joe, and I'm really excited about our episode today. Yeah, me too. You know, a lot of times on this podcast, we, we have guests on sometimes. Usually it's it's writers or um, announcers, reporters. Um, you came up with a great idea. Why don't we invite some fans on the podcast and give fans a chance to kind of tell their story about um, you know how it all got started for them and their love for the A's and, and what it means to them to have this connection to the team because there are so many diehard fans with this franchise and so many people that wear their passion on their sleeve and are very visible about it. And I think the first person we thought of with this idea is Brian Johansson, um, a longtime season ticket holder and somebody whose kind of loyalty to the A's shines through in so many creative different ways that we'll talk about as this conversation goes on here. Let's welcome in Brian. Brian, thank you so much for coming on with us, huh? Joe, David, how are you guys doing? Thank you for having me. Doing well. Thanks so much for joining us here. I uh, really appreciate it. Hey, first off the top here, let's ask just the A's. The A's are in this 11-game winning streak right now as we're talking. Uh, what's it like for you kind of watching this thing unfold as the A's are playing like this? This is a team that has a tendency to kind of take us on these joy rides with a lot of, a lot of winning streaks like this. What's this recent stretch been like for you? Oh, man, I, I think uh, it, it's, been, it's been crazy because, I mean, that 0-6 start, just did not seem like who this team actually is. But then you question like, well, this is the worst start in almost a hundred, you know, hundred years. Are they actually this bad? And then you see them on the streak and you're like, Oh, okay. There they are. There they are. And so um, it's refreshing to see. Um, and I actually love the brand of baseball that you're seeing kind of glimpses of the aggressiveness, the, you know, the kind of early Billy ball uh, type style stealing bases and, manufacturing runners, getting them over, and then, you know, coming in with the timely uh, home runs and stuff like that. So it's been, uh, it's been really refreshing to see the type of baseball being played on the 11-0, and 0, uh, you know, run that they have, you know, especially yesterday. Yesterday was like, okay, uh, you know, starting pitch and starting to slip. Okay, oh, now, you know, middle relief starting to slip. And then, then they come right back, and then they, they, they shut the door down. And then they, of course, get lucky you know, at the end, but that, that all happens during streaks like this, you know? Uh, it's, it's yesterday's game. Well, first of all, I felt like walking out of there. I'm like, if we were hardcore Colorado Rocky fans, this is what every game would be like. This is like every home game. <laughs> 13 or 12, but it was, it was pretty spectacular for them to come back and, and, and in the streak and you, they got breaks, obviously the two errors in, in the 10th inning, but great at bats led to those mistakes too so a lot goes into it and when you're in a role like the a's are because as bad as they played in that 0-6 start and they played bad that was a bad they got beat they weren't even competitive in those houston games um is as good as they are playing now and we're seeing it in different ways right we're seeing starting pitching come through but we've also seen them come back from a five-run deficit we've seen them come back in late inning deficits um, we've seen the middle relief pick up when they needed it to, and they've seen a new closer arrive in Lou Trevino. So you're seeing a, a whole different side of the A's. And what Joe and I will get into a little later is there's also some big gaping holes going on with this team that 11 wins might be disguising now, but there are some issues they're going to have to address. 
but that's for that's for later talk. Now it's happy time. So first of all, <laughs> Brian, you didn't get to go to the ballpark at all last year because there were no fans. Have you been out to the stadium this year? Uh, yes. So I, I got to go to opening day and then I got to go to the, uh, well, basically Thursday and Friday. And then, um, you know, I had, uh, obviously some, some medical things that I had to address. So I had to put a halt, uh, transfer all my tickets to later in the year and, uh, address that, but definitely got to go. Uh, and then, uh, also went a little bit early, hung up some banners and, uh, but I did get to go a couple times last year. There was just nobody in the stadium. So we got, we got to hang up some banners last year and that was pretty, that was the extent of it. You know, that was, that was one of my questions with the banners last year, because I was lucky enough to be in the ballpark for the whole season and the banners were there. Um, yeah. How did that come about? How did it happen that your banners were still be able to be hung in the stadium? Well, um, we had to get special permissions to do so. Um, and then uh, basically there was a small group of us, um, we had to be put on a special list, like to come in, and and basically we were in there when nobody was in there, and we came in, hung our banners in our respected sections, um, and then left, and that was it. We were in and out, and they and then they stayed there the entire year, um, and then after the season was over, we basically you know came back and took them all down again when nobody was in there. It was just basically us and 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 one attendant, and that was it. You know, and we were obviously being watched the whole time, and mask on and everything like that and so um but it, it was great that uh you know dave cavill and, and the a's and and you know you know renetti and everybody allowed us to uh get the permissions to come in there and 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 hang those up you know because it's so much a, a part of the culture that's been here for for decades you know the banners have been here since since the 70s you know so that's a tradition that you know is good that they kept it going even through a pandemic <laughs> Imagine all the relationships and bonds you've built with everybody that sits in the bleachers with you every home game and to go a whole season, not be able to see a game and then to finally get back out there at the beginning of this season. What was it like for you just seeing a lot of familiar faces and a lot of people that I'm guessing maybe you didn't see a whole lot of in person when you're away from the ballpark for all that time? Yeah, you know, my thing, it's, it's emotional, you know, it's emotional because these are people that you spend, you know, all summer with, um, and, and even outside of, uh, of going to games with them, you know, you, you know, their families and everything. There's a couple of people I sit with that, um, you know, consider like, you know, best friends and, and uh, I know their entire families and seeing the, the births of their children and see them grow up as A's fans. And so um, there's a bond that you build through baseball, but I mean, it transcends baseball into, into real life. And so getting to come back to the stadium and, 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 you know, just talk baseball and, 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 and talk, you know, talk about, everything baseball brings is it was just man it was I can't I can't explain the feeling it was refreshing and uh just having the eyes on the field and seeing all the players and waving to the players and just doing you know getting back into the swing of things was um uh, to me it, it felt like almost like the time like it, it just you know it there wasn't that much time off like it like we never left you know what I mean that's the way it felt to me like felt like we were just right back home so one of the, our ideas for this is to talk to the fans and talk to you specifically is getting your A's fan origin story. It's like, how did you become an A's fan? How did, and not just an A's fan for you, because we've seen it with the vest that you wear with all the pins. We've seen you kind enough to share your photo with your pin collection with us. We've seen your banners. So start with just becoming an A's fan. And then how did it grow from there? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in the 80s, so 
obviously it was a good era to grow up in being an A's fan. Um, I was four years old and the first team I played for uh, in T-ball was the A's. And, uh, you know, my family's from the East Bay. Uh, my dad had, you know, just randomly had corporate tickets with the A's um, through his work. And so uh, basically every other weekend we'd go to the A's games. And so, you know, and then I was on the A's again when I, uh, in Little League uh, twice. So it's like I, I grew up actually playing in Little League on the A's and then grew up all obviously going to the Coliseum and everything. And basically every, every other Saturday and Sunday, we'd go to, you know, the home series and we'd rotate with this coworker and uh, we'd sit in the lower level seats. And um, that's where it all started, just being a kid and going to the ball games with, with, with your mom and dad and, and, and your, with my brother as well. And so, uh, but there was a couple that we sat next to that were season ticket holders that, uh, you know, full season ticket holders. And each one of them uh, had a vest. And the vests were covered with pins, buttons, patches. And so basically every single weekend I would go, the, uh, the husband would tell me, pick out a pin. And it was always from the right side because the left side, he wouldn't let anybody touch. <laughs> and so, the, so he basically would, would give me a pin almost every single weekend we'd see him. And that's where my obsession with pins started is every time we'd go to a stadium, uh, you know, to the Coliseum, basically my dad would walk me around the concourse and say, okay, you can pick out two pins. You can pick out one pin. You can pick out three pins. And then, you know, back then pin trading was huge. And so you'd trade with people and like literally everybody uh, would walk around and either had a jacket covered with pins, a vest, a hat. Uh, more recently, you've seen lanyards covered with pins. And so, um, but back then it was a huge, cause you didn't really have bobbleheads yet. And um, uh, you know, that was like the thing to collect back then in the eighties and nineties was, was pins. And, Fortunately for, for me, the A's were, you know, somewhat of a, a, a dynasty back then, a strong team, perennial playoff team. And so they had pins just galore, you know, and for every player, for every statistical achievement you can think of. Um, and that kind of, it was like, that's where the traditions and the, and the, the, the lore of baseball started kind of building up in me. And then uh, towards I was graduating high school, that was like the birth of uh, Moneyball. And so, being able to just graduate high school and then, and then go into college and then experience those money ball teams. Um, I mean, that just, just reinvigorated me as a fan, um, you know? And so, yeah, it, you know, that's pretty much how it started. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I tend to have an obsessive personality. So <laughs> I just, um, you know, got to collect every single pin I see. And it doesn't matter if it's an opposing, you know, uh, team and as long as it's featuring the A's, uh, I'll buy it. I even have a portion of my board that's dedicated to little leagues across the country that have donned the A's as their, their team and their actual little league pins. I'll collect those as well. That's really cool. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so let me ask you this vest that you wear to the games, all these pins on it. Yeah. About how many pins are we talking about on the vest that you wear? How much does this thing weigh <laughs> that you have on you? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so I debuted it in 2018 or 19 and then um, it, at the time, I had way too many pins. It was like 600 pins. It was heavy. It was like 12 pounds, right? And then right underneath the armpits starts all the patches. So I also used to collect patches and st stickers. So I have in my garage, I have an entire wall that's covered in A stickers, right? But um, so pins, patches, and stickers I've always collected. So basically, I was saying, God, man, I want to I I do a vest. I want to do, I want to pay homage 
to what got me into the A's so much, right? Which was actually pins, right? Um, and so I basically said, okay, this year I'm doing it. And so I did it. And then I think uh, 2019 was the first year I wore it. And then it kind of just went crazy and it kind of, you know, reinvigorated the uh, whole pin market a little bit. And, and I've noticed it on eBay too. It's a, I pay a lot more for pins than I used to now. Uh -huh. um, but yeah. And so now I reduced the amount of pins that are on there and uh, added more patches. Cause there was like some minor league patches I wanted to add on there. Uh, you know, so, you know, like I got, you know, all our minor league affiliates all the way back from the eighties on there. So I added a lot of, uh, patches on there. I have some signed patches from like McGuire, Canseco, um, Dennis Eckersley. Um, and I have an open patch, uh, that I added cause you know, I need Ramon to sign that one. <laughs> <laughs> so how did this evolve into the banners? How did that start? So, um, it was uh, in 2018, towards the end of the year, there was a young gentleman by the name of Ramon Laureano. He came up, he had a walk-off hit, right, in his, in his debut game. And I said, and then, after, you know, in the next couple games, I was like, man, because I, I, I never was a banner person. I've been sitting in the bleachers since the early 2000s, right? Before that, you know, like, as, as I said, growing up, I sat in the lower bowls with my dad. And then when I actually started getting t tickets, I would buy them in the, you know, the 200s or what, what have you. Um, and then one day my flag broke, I moved down into the bleachers because my buddy sat there so he could fix my flag. And he said, Hey, why don't you just start sitting down with me? So I said, okay. So I started sitting down with him in 138. And then, um, and then basically, um, after, you know, 2018, I said, you know what, I think I want to do a banner. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do Ramon. And so what we did is every time Ramon would hit a home run or make a huge, uh, you know, outfield assist or a play, we would scream out Ramon and we draw out the O, right? So I came up with that little call and he'd, you know, give a little dap on his chest and show some, you know, respect, tip his cap to us. And so that's what we've always done. So the banner, his first one he did has the Ramon going all the way across it, right? And the image of his uh, following his walk-off hit. So that was his first, that was my first banner. And I was like, oh, wow, this is fun. So I did another one and then another one and then another one. And then I teamed up with a couple of buddies online and we, we, we pretty much call ourselves a propaganda team. And we ended up making all these just Photoshopped uh, drawings. And, um, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen A's Fan by Design and 209 Tacos. Uh, so between us three, we come up with all these crazy ideas and, and, and feed off the players and what they say. And we listen to the media and what they say. And so if there's a, a phrase or something, or, uh, we try to hop right on it, create something and then get it printed like right away. Like uh, the Oakland Knights uh, banner we did, we basically, that album dropped on a Thursday night. Friday morning, I got up for work. I literally just took a screenshot when they were pumping iron and just put Oakland Knights uh, in neon writing and had it and then picked it up that Friday, got off work, picked it up Friday. It was up hanging up Friday night. Uh, my buddy, it got on the Jumbotron. My buddy tweeted it. And then the, the Lonely Island actually quote tweeted it. So awesome. it's just like stuff like that. It's cool. And it's not really about like the banners or me, but it's more about like seeing the Lonely Island tweet, even though they, you know, they're from the Bay Area, but it's just about, you know, uh, celebrating like being an A's fan, celebrating the culture of the A's and stuff like that, you know, because, you know, when outside media thinks of the A's, they just tend to think about the negative stuff, the, the you know, us being the farm system to the miners and the stadiums running down and stuff. But um, when I think about being an A's fan, I think about that culture and, 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 and 
and what it's like being a fan. I mean, Crazy George invented the wave, you know. Uh, I mean, we have cowbells, we have drums, right? 20 years ago, uh, kids from Skyline High School, literally 20 years ago, last year would have been 20 year anniversary of the kids from Skyline bringing a drum into the stadium. You know, uh, they had the fly boys back in the day that would run and catch home runs, right? Like those were the, when I was a kid, those were like my heroes, right? The kids that sat in the bleachers, you know, they got uh, the bad boys club, right? They have all these groups and it wasn't about the team. It was, or it wasn't about the, the, the people. It was about like, like the culture of Oakland and the athletics and, and stuff like that. And it dates all the way back to the seventies. Right. And, uh, but you know, that's, that's what it's about for me is celebrating that, you know, um, you know, with the whole ride the wave thing we did, we did that, <laughs> we did that stomper, uh, you know, uh, banner and did it like right away and had it, you know, printed right away and put up. And so I did all that from, uh, <laughs> my recovery bed. <laughs> so he, I just, he mentioned Flyboys. So that's where I was sitting in the eighties. I sat ah, with Jay Diddy and Mike Kelly. Um, there you go. And we sat in the left field bleachers. We were there every day and they got the nickname Flyboys Cause they would, when they had the stairs down the bleachers, they would literally basically fly down the stairs by using their glove on the rail and slide down. They would never feet would never touch the steps. And that's yeah. how they were able to get down faster. And they also got that nickname because Dave Henderson during batting practice, when he would hit home runs, would literally yell out, fly, boys, fly. Yeah. Because he knew wow. these guys. And uh, I actually just reconnected with Jay uh, in the last couple of months. He's actually living up in Seattle. He goes to Mariners games and is still in the outfield catching home runs at uh, T-Mobile Park now. So the fly <laughs> boys live on. But it's, yeah, the history of A's fans and the groups that have been out there. And you were, you were definitely a huge part of that now. Yep. So you were part of Hindu land then we were next to, we were two, we were behind Ricky, um, okay. two sections over. Uh, we had our own rules out there and one of them was no banners. We didn't want any banners Ooh. in front of our sections. Uh, there's no banners, uh, no kids, no kids. <laughs> we have any kids around us. Um, you could not remember when the concessionaires used to sell uh, drumsticks, the ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No drumsticks unless <laughs> The A's were down by six or more runs. And then you could buy drumsticks because drumsticks um, were just bad luck. Did you have these yeah. rules like printed out some of this? is like a constitution of A's fan behavior you had out there filled in your section. There, like, man, well, there were a lot of rules because, you know, if you were going to sit with us, you know, we were there every game, just like the people yeah. are out there now. It's every game. So yep. at that point, you know, the bleachers were a free-for-all. Um, I had a press pass. Uh, that's another story how I got that. But uh so I was able to get in before the gates open and be able to save all our seats in the front rows of the left field bleachers. Um, and then if people would try and sit there, yes, we would teach them these rules and they would have to follow. And if they brought a kid, they were shunned. They had to move away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's pretty much uh, the same thing. I mean, obviously with the, with the assigned seating, it's not so much you have to run to your seats, but it's the same, it's the same way. You got to run to your seat uh, and, and there's rules and there's everything like that. And, and there's different sections, right? The bleachers, like, it's not all just like bleachers. So you have right field bleachers, 149. You got, you know, us up in 138. And then you got the guys that sit in 135, 136. So there's different little sections. And each section has their own kind of rituals and the things they do with maybe a player there or, um, you know, just a, a point in the game or something. So everybody has their own rituals and stuff of what they, you know, what they do, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it, and it's crazy because that culture's been there since the 70s. 
you know, and it's the only team in baseball that does that. And that's, what's so cool about it, you know, and, and people that come to A's games and I was like, man, I actually enjoyed going to an A's game. And, and when they sit in the bleachers and stuff like that, it's because they're a part of that and they've never seen anything like that. You know what I mean? You know, you bring up the culture and everything. And to me, that's, what's unique about the A's fan base is, is the connection to the team, but it's a personal connection and it's a direct connection to the players too. I mean, I think every major league team has a loyal fan base that's loyal to the franchise and the history of the franchise and everything, but, but connections that you build making the banners and everything and, and personalizing the banners, it's a personal connection that you strike with the players. Right. And I'm curious, I mean, that's a special thing. I think it's a unique thing. Um, what kind of reaction do you get uh, when players first see a banner? Cause I'm sure they notice it and just um, it's gotta be pretty cool when you see them actually notice it and it's got to strike a chord <laughs> with them make them feel really good too. Yeah. So um Definitely. Yeah. I mean, well, the very first one I got, I got brought onto the field. So Ramon could actually sign the banner. Um, and that's, that's kind of like where the whole bromance thing started with me and Ramon. <laughs> and then obviously online, I, I'll keep up the persona and everything. It's really not that crazy in real life. Um, <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, yeah, just, uh, just recently, um, you know, Kai Tom, you know, just left and, and, and got picked up by Pittsburgh. And uh, both him and his, his girlfriend reached out to me and, and thanked me for, you know, making the banner of him. I mean, we made him an awesome banner uh, just because, I mean, his name just screamed, like, make me a banner. And, uh, and so they were touched by that. And that was cool. And so it's cool that knowing that they appreciate it. It's not just like, oh, yeah, these fans are just making banners and stuff. Like, they look at him, um, you know, they see him and stuff like that. I mean, the minute Jed saw his return of the return of the Jed that A's fan by design did, um he looked at that and just started laughing and just you know so it, you see him looking up at him and everything like that and so that's pretty cool I think Ramon got kind of uh you know laugh when he saw the Mount Rushmore and <laughs> I basically had uh I had my buddy Paul he photoshopped every single president's head with uh Ramon's head and then <laughs> he seen that one up there he was just like oh my god <laughs> and so um yeah it's that yeah, it's just you know these guys I mean, they work so hard on the field and they, 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 they put it all out there and stuff like that. And so banners to me personally is like uh, just a way of showing appreciation of, of, of what we get to see from our perspective. Um, it's just a little appreciation for how hard they work on the field and, and the effort that, that goes into every single day, you know? You know, you brought up the Kai Tom banner blaze that was out there. Yeah. Um, now, since he moved on to Pittsburgh, what happened to the banner? So, um, as you guys know, you know, I've been out with, uh, you know, I had a heart procedure done. And so, um, so I had to do this all from, from my couch basically. Uh, so I had a buddy, uh, remove it, um, because we, we kind of had a feeling he was going to get picked up. Right. And, uh, not clear waivers. So, uh, we had a buddy remove it and then, the the wear a mask, stop the spread, uh, logo that, that, uh, we did, we moved that in its place. Um, cause it was a three foot by three foot banner. So, so I, so we have it. Um, I don't have it yet. Um, but I'll, once I get it, I'll definitely, uh, you know, I'll hit him up and say, Hey, you know, would you like, I'll, I'll send it to him. You know, if he, if he would want that. Cause I don't think, you know, Pittsburgh or any other team is going to make him a banner. <laughs> so, but I would love to send that to him. So, you know, uh, you know, he can give to his, maybe his, his parents or something like that. Cause you know, I'm sure they might've liked that. I know if, if my son was playing baseball and somebody made a banner for my son, I'd want that. <laughs> you that know? is a sweet banner. And correct me if I'm wrong. When, when Elvis Andrews got traded over here, didn't he mention about getting his own banner that he was excited about that? Yeah. Yep. He sure did. And so uh, the minute, the minute I saw the quote, 
I, I have a little group chat with my buddies, Paul and Carl. And I said, all right, guys, what do we got? And so literally within like 24 hours, they whipped up. I mean, if you look at it, it's, it's just a beautiful graphic. And so it's got a big headshot of him because we wanted to focus on the smile. And then it's got um, him making a, f- uh, a play in the infield. But we were really limited with like literally there was only, I think, one or two plays we could actually get a picture from that was good enough to actually put on a banner. So we found it, put it on there, and then they had all the filters and everything. So so we we all brainstormed together, but like Paul and Carl do mainly all the work. I've only physically done like three or four banners. I did the, well, actually one, two, three, four. So I did the big laser Ramon one with him on razor Ramon. I did that one. And then I did both Ray Fossey banners uh, <laughs> and Glenn Kuyper's banner. So I did, I did that. And so Ray Fossey's, you know, that, that one's one of my favorites because it just says Ray Fossey's banner. <laughs> you know so because he's always talking about the banners and everything like that so i was like oh let me surprise him and do that and then uh but yeah <laughs> uh i totally forgot what i was saying but yeah anyways um <laughs> yeah and then uh we have Vusinist. we have a we found um visiting clubhouse manager baseball card uh so i worked with his daughter on trying to get a good image of that i guess his buddies made him that a t-shirt and they all wore it to some event uh, and basically they were roasting him and, and they had that, uh, baseball card on the t-shirts. And so she, she found me the image and we got it. And then we basically enhanced the image, you know, cause it's, it's an old card and, uh, and that's a banner hanging out there for him. The creative juices yeah. that must've been flowing in your mind when you saw that, that Voos trading card, you're like, Oh, the possibilities here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I literally just took the, we took the card and we just said, not, nah, let's just put that card right out there. And, and it just coincidentally, you know, he's announced his retirement this year. And so I was like, that didn't know about. So we hung the banner not knowing that. So it kind of uh, is cool that that's hanging up there, knowing that, you know, this is going to be his last year, you know, uh, with the A's. That is, that is really cool. Hey, you know, about Elvis Andrews and kind of mentioned he wanted his own banner when he came here. That's interesting to think about. I never thought about the reaction of visiting players who come in. I mean, Elvis played so many games here as a visiting player, right, at the Coliseum visiting players come in, they see all these banners. I mean, a lot of them may be looking around saying, wow, we wish, kind of wish our fans would kind of do something like that, you know, grab the reins and make something like that for us. So I'm uh, not surprising that when, when players come to the A's that might pop into their head, actually. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we actually, uh, that's one of our talking points that we do with, with other players that we're trying to court. Um, <laughs> we're like, Hey, you could be up here. We would make the best banner for you. We <laughs> promise. It would be amazing. We'll Photoshop you on anything you want. Like, so it is, uh, it is a talking point with other players on the team and stuff like that. And so, you know, once we see another, like an opposing player look at the banners and we can tell he's looking at some of the banners, that's when we'll start doing it and, and going back and forth with them, just kind of like building relationships with like other players as well, you know? And so, you know, yeah. What's interesting this year is the A started with this, this new Twitter hashtag that was, market tested and went through major league baseball and all this stuff, this rise and grind, right? Which <laughs> made no sense to me. This is an A's team that's been to the playoffs three years in a row, 97 wins, two years. Last year, they were on pace for that if it was a full season. We're not rising and grinding. We're, this is a good team. Rise and grind is a team that needs to, they need to work out a little bit harder. So that, that whole saying didn't make any sense to me. Wait, but they do grind, right? I mean, they grind they out the gaps. They make the but they don't, they don't rise and grind. They're already grinding. It's part of who they are. <laughs> they're grinding when that night they go to sleep they grind I, I, it didn't make any sense to me it didn't, make, didn't say a's to me for one 
Rise and Grind never said Oakland Athletics baseball. Anyway, oh, <laughs> now what happens organically, right? Ride the wave. It was organic. It was started with Chris Bassett. It was started with the pitching. And then you saw the players using the arm motion on base. And everybody started questioning, well, what's going on here? Yeah. Yes. Organically. And then it just takes off on a, a life of its own, right? With the, the, the men's on Twitter, the, the banners that you guys are coming up with that are hanging. This is, to me, this is, let's get rid of this rising grind crap because nobody cares. Ride the wave is what is organically happening with this team. Much like if you think about the Warriors in 2007, the We Believe was organic. It was yeah. not started by the team. It was started by the fans. This to me is so much more to it. I don't know, Brian, if you feel that way, that this, this ride the wave, it's, it's, it's what the A's are about now. Yeah, I saw, I saw the rising grind and I said, what is this? What was wrong with rooted in Oakland? Right. You know, my I one back in the day I used to love was the green collar baseball. You know, yeah. like I I love like you know stuff like that, but like it had nothing to do with the A's, like you said. The only thing it had to do with the A's is that when you type it in, it's got the A's logo at the end of it. But that was literally the only tie that it had. So we had some fun with like just making fun of the hashtag, but then the ride the wave, like you said, it. I mean, and it's and it any team could really use it because it parallels with baseball and a season, right? It's, it's a wave in the, the ups and downs of a season and just riding with it. And, you know, the best surfer is going to come out on top. I mean, there's so much you can do with this, with this, with this uh, hashtag. And I, I really hope they actually officially change it because that would be, I mean, I would never see a team actually change their hashtag like mid season. Like, yeah, you know what, this is right. But uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's, I love it. You know what I mean? Because it, like I said, it parallels with the baseball season. Right. And um, I don't know if you know what um, the green room is, but the green room is like when you catch a perfect wave, the inner side and the inner part of a pipeline, it's like the Zen moment of like when you perfectly catch a wave. Right. Like, I mean, the opportunities are endless with this, this with this hashtag, as you can see from our uh, banner with the naked stomper. You know what I mean? Stomper like, surfing is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, and then I, you know, like so, all the anytime I see a player, basically we've been seeing them doing the hand motions or anything. Basically, I capture it, I I put it in a GIF, and I upload it to actual the Twitter's uh, database. So I just did a thread yesterday. It's got like seventeen like different ride the wave. Uh, gifts so i'm gonna flood twitter <laughs> with those gifts nice. we even got the banner now we have the banner as a gif and the actual wave is moving oh. and so yeah so yeah there's a bunch of them now so if you actually type in like oakland athletics oakland uh you'll see a bunch of ride the wave gifts now pop up but uh yeah there's so many so many so many opportunities for this I think you mentioned the posters, the t-shirts you make too and everything. Lastdivebar.com, yep. there's a website, right? Where people can go to find this merchandise and everything. Yep. So that's, that's, that's going to be the new uh, the website. So you can't order anything right now. Uh, so it's not actually up right now. And, um, but once it is back up and running, because basically what we did is most companies use like a drop ship, which uh, you order and it goes to, you know, a, a printing company and then it ships and they print and they ship out. So when COVID hit, that was like really, you know, bad. And so it shut down a lot of printing shops. So the quality and the shipping times uh, diminished. So we said, Hey, let's, let's pull the site down. And the reason we pulled the site down is because we had a few customers that said, Hey, is this a joke? I just received my, my t-shirt 
and it's in Giants colors. And I said, take down the site immediately. We're not, I don't, you know what I mean? We're not doing this. And so, so basically, uh, in a, probably in a couple of weeks, it'll be right back up. And then we're going to have a ride the wave, um, shirt on there. Just like the one you've been seeing, like, uh, that we did, we actually took the finding Nemo font and that's the font we're using. And then we have some silhouettes of the A's logos that will have to change up a little bit and everything. And so, but hundreds of the hundred percent of the proceeds goes to the A's community fund and their affiliated charities, uh, and everything like that. We've raised over 10 grand since we started. Um, what started out as a website making fun of me when I kind of said a couple bad words on TV. Yes, <laughs> um, it turned into something where we're, it was a joke and it turned into now we're, you know, over $10,000 worth of uh, charity money we've raised. Um, and we're looking forward to doing that again. Um, and so, and there's a, and, oh, but yeah, so we, the reason it's taken so long is because we had to find a local vendor because we wanted our actual cost to go to a local business. So we found a shop in the East Bay and the quality is going to be better and the money now stays in the East Bay. So now pretty much a hundred of the proceeds goes to helping local businesses, communities, organizations, and stuff like that. Um, basically whatever's relevant within what's going on, you know, we're going to donate to that. Um, I actually have a, a pin that's coming out. Uh, that I'm doing myself for um, Dick Callahan. So I got the blessing from his family. So it'll be a pin with his initials and an actual silhouette of his physical microphone. And so uh, we're going to be selling those and hundred percent of the proceeds will go to his foundation. So, so definitely looking forward to that. So one of my last questions, have you always been this good of a person? Cause man, you were a good person. <laughs> I don't know. My wife, I don't know. She'll probably say like, holy, uh, I don't know. He doesn't do the laundry as much as he should, but uh, no, I don't know. I just, I'm not, uh, I don't know. I've always, I've always, I don't know. I've always been a, a giving type person. You know what I mean? Like if the last slice of pizza is there, I'll offer it to you. Um, unless it's pepperoni, then I, that, I'm taking it. Yeah, but, um, yeah, no, but no, I just, to me, it's not like, you know, it's not about, the money it's about celebrating the a's and stuff like that and then staying within the boundaries of what you can do obviously because then it'll be copywriting and stuff and so uh, if you know uh so we stay away from using logos and everything but we still have the kind of green and gold influence with everything that we do and um you know it a thousand bucks to me is one thing but a thousand bucks to somebody that desperately needs it is another thing um so you know, uh, it's, it's fun to us. It's like, we're just spreading the propaganda of, of our fanhood. You know, that's pretty much all that we're doing. And then the fact that I, I um, you know, I get to like team up with like, there's a new local company called stash and bash. That's going to be doing like a steam pins and stuff. They're the ones that are actually, I got them to do the, the Callahan pin. So we got the final proof for it. And, uh, you know, his daughter, Kate, she was like, Oh my God, I love this. Um, and so, and it, right now you know we sell you know all of them we're gonna it's a thousand dollars boom right off to his charity and so and if it does really good then i'll just do another run of it you know um so yeah we yeah we did a, a wtf uh brian pin and that one raised upwards of a like a thousand dollars so that was like boom thousand dollar check uh you know uh to, to you know i always I always reach out to the community fund and say hey is there one specific one that you guys are really highlighting right now or you know and and so Typically, if something's going on, um, you know, then we'll we'll basically like when Fairyland was having issues, right? With when the pandemic hit, 
um, we, we donated uh, 500 bucks there because they were matching uh, uh, the A's or I think it was A's or Fairyland was matching. Somebody was matching donations. So we basically said, well, hey, this 500 bucks turns into $1,000. And so, um, you know, when, yeah, so it's, I don't know, it's, it's been just, it's, for me, it's, it's fun. It's just fun, you know, and then giving to charity. I mean, that's just, to me, that's just something that's, it's just good to do. I mean, you know. That's but, awful, buddy, for the, the creativity, the positive energy, the passion, everything you're doing for the greater good and everything. And thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And you've been a great friend to our podcast, all the great stuff you've been <laughs> social media yeah. shout outs and stuff. We really appreciate that too. And um, sure. um, thanks so much for joining me. Great talking to you, man. And, and thanks for the time and glad you're doing pretty well health wise. Now you look great. We're seeing you on zoom right now, man. You look good. You look healthy. Um, yeah. Healthy all right. and, and thanks so much. huh? Yeah. Appreciate it guys. And uh, yeah, go to bigheadsmedia.com and get all the merch from the green and gold podcast. <laughs> coffee, coffee mug is great. Shirt is great. Uh, fits perfect. So uh, tried it on last night. So yeah. So definitely honored to be here. Um, thank you guys. No, thank you, Brian. Thank you for everything you do out there for A's fans. And for us, it's been, it's been awesome. I mean, you're a big part of this A's culture for, for, for no doubt. And for somebody for a long time, A's fan like myself, it's just so nice to see this, this tradition continue the fans really taking control of the messaging of the team. And, and you're a huge, huge part of that, man. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool to hear. That's, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Thank you, David. Brian Thank you, Johansson, Joe. taking time out of his busy day to talk to us. Thanks so much, Brian and everybody stick with us. We'll be right back with a little bit more on this episode of the green and bold podcast. Hello out there to be man, woman, and child. This is the B-Team. I'm Nathan Eberhardt. And I'm Michael Hanna. And together we host the UCLA B-Team podcast, your go-to audio source online for news, analysis, opinion, and sometimes even jokes about UCLA Bruins sports. We're proud to be members of the Big Heads Media Network, and you can find our newest episodes every week at bigheadsmedia.com, or you can subscribe via iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at UCLA B-Team, and hit us up with questions or comments. We love to interact with our listeners. So for a smart, level-headed, if sometimes it unofficial we cannot stress this enough unofficial take on the ucla bruins come join the b team we're back on the green and bold podcast I want to thank brian johansson for taking time to join us that was a good segment feldy enjoyed talking to him what did you think of that really enjoyed yeah. that conversation i really did it really it was really a pleasure to get to know him what a good guy good person um just amazing. It was amazing to talk to him. It really was. Um, always wants to know the story behind the pins and the banners. And uh, right. Boy, I didn't, you had no idea, right? You have no idea what people, the backstory of people are and just, just a great human being. It's really, I feel yeah. honored that we got to talk to him. Yeah. Making a lot of efforts to do a lot of good for a lot of different people too. It seems like oh. that's pretty awesome. So, so thanks to Brian for that. And Feldy, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about this A's team here. As we record this on a Thursday, they are on an 11 game winning streak right now. Um, a lot going right for this team and, and just watching them. It seems like there's a belief right now with this team that they can win any game, you know, and win any type of game right now. We saw in the, you know, the doubleheader um, against Minnesota, they, they win a seven zero blowout. They win a one zero pitchers duel. Um, and there's a lot of surreal stuff going on with this team right now. It seems like along this winning streak, right? The lights going out, um, the twins booting the ball around, making the two errors on two potential game saving plays. The ride, the ride the wave phenomenon. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of A's type stuff going on that we usually see affiliated with special moments in time like this. And we get a lot of these moments with the A's, it seems like, and it's just all coming together. It's rolling along pretty nicely right now. 
It is. You're getting, on the most part, consistent starting pitching. And we talked about, even after this, this slow start, that was going to be the key. Yeah. The less outs the bullpen have to get, the better. And the offense has gone back to what they're good at, and that's hitting home runs. And this is a home run hitting team, and that's how they score the majority of their runs. And they're doing that. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier with Brian, there are still some, some gaping holes with this team that are kind of being filled over right now with the winning streak, which is a good thing. And this is showing that this team has many different ways to win. And I really look back to that game in Arizona where they fell behind by five runs. And, you know, this was still a struggling ace team at that point, right? But to come back and win that game the way they did is the bullpen, Diolis Guerra, who just got called up. There's three shutout innings. And the offense comes alive, Jed Lowry with a huge three-run homer. Right. And the belief, I think it all started with that game, this belief that they can win any game. Uh, they, they, they win that game. They, they take care of business with Detroit, uh, a team that for whatever reason they have owned lately. But they got into a tight game on Sunday where they gave up the lead late, right, where Bassett gave up a two-run single. And the A's are trailing, but they're able to come back, tie it up, and win that game in extra innings, again, with a little help from Detroit's defense. It's just all these different ways that they're winning. And that's what's so encouraging as we go forward now that they can win in a myriad of ways. Yeah. You mentioned the starting pitching and we did talk about early on, you know, if, if things are going to turn around, it's going to have to begin with that starting staff. Now Montas obviously was shaky, shaky on Wednesday before Wednesday, the first 10 games of this winning streak in seven of those 10 games, a starters went at least six innings, gave up two, two earned runs or fewer um, and, and went seven and zero in those games. And going into Wednesday, the starters were leading the American League in innings pitched. Um, that's huge for this team. I mean, obviously, we all know starting pitching is big, right? But it just goes to show you when you're getting consistent starting pitching, um, as we've said before, um, good starting pitching, consistent starting pitching allows other things to fall into place. It allows you to stay in a close game. And then anything can happen, right? All these variables that are falling in the A's way um, have a chance to go their way. You know, they're playing base, good baseball and they have confidence, but you know, first week of the season, when you're down five or six runs, um, teams aren't going to be booting the ball around in the last inning when they're up and they have a five or six run cushion, right? Yeah. When the game's tight and you've got some momentum, the little things that could go against you tend to go your way a little bit. But starting pitching is so much a part of that, just to kind of stabilize things, keep game close, give your offense a chance to give you a lead and play from ahead. You know, it's interesting talking about the starters because Mike Fires is getting close to coming back. And he's going to get a chance to start. And I saw it on Twitter. Uh, Melissa Lockhart tweeted this out. What about moving Montas to the bullpen and having Fires take his spot in the rotation? And that gives you another hard thrower in the bullpen or a hard thrower in the bullpen, as we talked about before. There's not a lot of velocity coming out of there. Look, Sergio Romo uh, should not be in the major leagues anymore. I, I hate to say it. He just he throws the ball so slow that there's no difference between his changeup, his fastball, and his slider. His slider doesn't have the bite that he used to have. And the, the exit velocity coming off his pitches is out of this world. He's not fooling anybody, and nobody's missing. Uh, he did have the nice one inning in Arizona, and it was huge. And I thought, well, maybe this could be a turning point. But now we're seeing it again. Guys are just on his pitches. I don't think Sergio Romo should be pitching anymore. So that's a spot in the bullpen that needs to be geared up. Because right now, you trust Petit. And credit to Petit for still being Petit. I, I thought I thought he, that was going to be an issue. But so far, he's found a way to make it work. 
Um, and Diekman and Trevino have been very good. So those three guys at the end of the game is working. You, you need more than that going forward. Um, you know, Gura has looked good in the limited opportunity you've had to see him pitch. Um, Wendelkin has been sort of a roller coaster. Um, you don't really know. You know, Kalerik is in there to, to pitch like where he pitched in yesterday. When the game's starting to get out of hand, you're being Kalerik in. Um, you know, the uh, Goudouin's back up, another left-hander who can't throw strikes at the major league level. He's just filling a spot right now. Instead of Jordan Weems, you have this guy. I, I don't know. Um, so it's an interesting thought to bring Montas into the bullpen and let him throw hard for an inning or two and be that bridge guy. I can see them trying that. I, I'd be all right with that. Uh, it is an intriguing idea. I like the idea of his kind of stuff um, being available out of the bullpen, especially, you know, in a tight situation late in the game. I think it's a long shot. We might see it, uh, but it is an interesting idea. Uh, my guess is they're thinking when he's been good as a starter, I think when he's going good, I think his value is probably too, I think is, is too valuable as a starter. Maybe they feel like they need him in that rotation to try something like that. But I like, I like that kind of idea. As I said before, I just don't know. I mean, having a healthy Mike fires back is a good thing. He's a veteran. He's had some success in an A's uniform, but I just, I don't know what we're going to get from him, even sure. at full strength. You know, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get. Um, and the A's have a decision to make coming up, right? Um, Cole Irvin is getting to start on Friday right now, it looks like, but then fires, I think can pitch as early as Sunday on, on regular rest. We'll see. Something tells me they may just bump Cole Irvin maybe to the, to the, the bullpen. And then you got kind of a, you know, lefty middle inning type guy who can eat up some innings, eat up some length if you need be. That is an interesting thought though with Montas. It's yeah, I just you know, they have 17 games in a row coming up. Um, so definitely there could be a spot to 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 put fires in and even go to a six man rotation if that's something they wanted to try. Um, yeah, the logical thing says, okay, we'll just move Herb into the bullpen. But I don't know. I like having that hard thrower idea out there. Yeah. Uh, I have a chance to, to experiment with it for sure. Cause the middle relief scares me. It really does. And I just, you know, they have to find a way. And I was, I was thinking about this yesterday during the game too. Well, Romo was getting hit all over the yard and it is early to talk trades. And I, and I get that. And teams are still trying to figure out who they are and what they need, but the way Seth Brown is swinging the bat right now, it, it looks like he could take over that right field job from Steven Piscotty. And Biscotti not, has not been an everyday player this year, as it's been. Even when the season started, he wasn't an everyday player. I remember Chad Pinder was starting out there. Um, so Steven Piscotti could be a trade piece. And if you wanted to sure up the bullpen, and if you wanted to sure up shortstop, because that's another issue, is Elvis Andrus doesn't hit. And the other day, he made an error in the, in the seventh inning, which was really the ninth inning, um, which was not good. Could you package Biscotti and some other pieces and try and bring in a shortstop and middle relief? And the shortstop I'm thinking of is Trevor Story of the Rockies, who is in the last year of his contract, who's going to be a free agent. Is that something the A's could consider? I love the idea of Trevor Story coming to the A's, even for, for half a season. Um, What's in this package along with Piscotti that you think could, could bring Trevor Story to Oakland? Well, I think that's – I want to hear a little more because I'm intrigued. I think Piscotti's got to be a part of it. Um, I think it's, it's got to be significantly more, right? Yes, yeah, significantly more. And I think that's going to be where the young A's young pitchers come and play. I think that's where the Dalton Jeffries, who is a guy who doesn't walk, who keeps the ball down, could be attractive 
to a team like Colorado. Um, you know, James Caprillion, I'm sure the A's would be, have no problem dealing with. Uh, Holmes, they'd have no problem dealing with. I think they're depending on what Colorado wants. And here's the thing, and we've noticed this before historically, the longer the Rockies hold on to story, the worse they're going to get in return normally because it's less time that story is guaranteed to the team he gets traded to. So I can really see a situation where if the A's wanted to strike early on this, that maybe they can get him now. Maybe they have to give up a little more, but then they can acquire him and have story for longer in the season. Yeah, it's probably a long shot, but the idea of, of, of shoring up the infield with Trevor Story, I think would be huge for this team. That makes this team a legitimate World Series team, in my opinion. Is, is, okay, Piscotty prospects, you're not including Andrews in this deal, right? I don't think Colorado's not going to want him, so no. Right. So then, so what does that do for, what does that, what do you do with Elvis Andrews who signed next season as well? I mean, do you replace him early on and then Story's gone to free agency and then you go, hey, Elvis, we like you again now starting next year. You know what I mean? It, it puts him kind of an awkward position. Um, and I think a deal like this assumes that he's not going to get better Whereas maybe the A's have some belief that he's going to hit his stride eventually, maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I, so I think they kind of, they look at it the way kind of Texas looked at it. If they didn't trade him, he was going to be more of a utility guy who could, who could slot in at second base if you needed him to give story. The story is not, he does have some injury issues in the past. So, you know, the A's don't have a backup shortstop at the moment. Right. If, if right. Andrews goes down right now, Vimeo machines playing short or, or Chapman's moving over to short. Right. Um, I just think you need in this year, if things continue to go well, I don't know what you're going to get out of Elvis Andrews. I don't know if he's going to be the Elvis Andrews from a few years ago. Yeah. Right now, I don't see it at all. Not to mean that it can't come. Yeah. Um, but if he's not going to hit, he's got a field. And he's okay. I mean, that error the other night was horrible. But he's, aside from the robbing Martin Maldonado, he's not really robbing anybody anybody's hits. Yeah. And Jed Lowry, as good as he's been offensively, I think yesterday was the first time we saw at second base the limited range he really does have. Mm -hmm. um, he's not going to be robbing people of hits either. Yeah. So I think you need to shore up defensively one of those positions. And Story is a tremendous defensive shortstop as well as an, as an incredible bat. Yeah, that's an interesting idea right there. Trevor Story in A's uniform. Yeah, pretty hefty price tag, I think, to get him. Um, I agree with you on Piscotti. Piscotti um, – He's losing out. He's losing out on playing time right now. And you know, when Chad Pinder's healthy, I don't know when that's going to be, but that's another outfield type player you have and a right-handed bat too, which is also what Piscotty is. So I think you're right. He could be a possible trade trade piece at some point if the A's decide to, uh, to make a deal. Um, speaking of Andrews, that last inning, um, last inning yesterday, right? A couple of nice at bats. I do give him credit for the walk that he drew. That was a great yes. take he had on a three, two yes. pitch, low fastball to load the bases and keep that rally going. And it surprised me because disciplined at bats are not something we've seen a lot of from Elvis Andrews no, yet yeah. this season. I'm but him and then, and then, and then Loriano fouling off the five pitches before he puts the ball in play on the, on the walk-off air eventually. Um, I mean, the A's are getting, so they're hitting a lot of home runs right now. We're seeing Matt Olson really starting to swing a hot bat. Um, but when you win a lot of games like this, it's a lot of the little, the little minor things that, that get forget, forgotten about sometimes at bats like Andrews like Loriano's at bat. Um, how about in the, in the Tuesday doubleheader, some of the defense, Seth Brown making that sliding catch early in the game to help out Lazardo, And then after the, after the delay, because of the lights going out, great catch by machine. 
yeah. email machine, you know, going back to make that catch. Just all these little, a lot of little things are coming together right now. The defense and, and starting pitching, bullpen still an issue. I totally agree with you on that. Um, but there are little, little things happening that, you know, when you get a win streak like this, um, it's contagious. It's like quality play is contagious up and down the roster. A lot of times you get these contributions in so many different areas. Yeah, you, you, that expectation of winning, right? And Laureano talked about that after the game. He smelled a win. You could smell it coming. And let me tell you about Ramon Laureano. He is in a huge slump. Huge slump. He is two for his last 27 with 10 strikeouts. And he's swinging at everything. His swing rate is right now is off the charts. He's not taking pitches. And even the at-bat that he had, which was, you said, fabulous, he was fouling balls off. He was working. And yeah, I'll give it to him. He grinded that at bat. So good for him. Um, but then he rode the wave and got the way, but putting the ball in play. But that's what, you know, I was watching with Laureano and the doubleheader and he starts swinging. You're like, this is just gonna be a bad day. He has those moments where he gets in this swing mode and he's trying to swing his way out of his slump where he needs to be a little more selective in his swings. I mean, two for 27 from one of your top three hitters uh, is a problem. Right. And that he needs to find his way out of that. And this is what I mean, where there's holes and then people picking things up where Seth Brown has come in and put some big swings, big hits. And it's starting to, he looks like a major leaguer now. Right. When he first came up in 2019, after the 37 homers, he looked really good for those first three weeks. And then the book gets around and he struggled in September of 2019. He struggled in his limited opportunities last year. And that home run he hit in Houston, I think, just took a, a, the weight of the world off his shoulders. So, yeah, maybe I do belong here. Huge homer in Arizona. Huge homer uh, yesterday. I, I just think he's starting to feel like a big leaguer. And he could, I could see him taking over that right field job. And that, again, leaves you with the, the Piscotti question of what you can do. So people picking up, but there are some issues still with this team, even during this 11-game win streak. Um, speaking of that win streak, it's uh... – Still intact. We're talking, we're recording this Thursday and off day right now for the A's. They start a three-game series at Camden Yards Friday evening against the Orioles. But it's interesting. They've won 11 games in a row now. And you start to see, uh, you go to the MLB.com homepage, and the A's are, are one of the lead stories. Now you start to see kind of, it's interesting to see when nationally, when people start to pay attention a little bit, you know, and when this win streak kind of becomes a big thing. And to be honest with you, as recently as a few days ago, well, I mean, even now, there's been so much going on in the Bay Area. The A's still aren't the dominant topic of conversation with their 11-game win streak. You've had the Warriors. You had Steph Curry going off. I know they lost They lost last night. But Steph Curry doing the Steph Curry things. You know, the Warriors doing okay, still in a playoff hunt. You know, Patrick Marlowe and the Sharks, all of a sudden, how, not often that hockey becomes a big storyline in the Bay Area, but it was a couple of days ago. You know, there's been other things. The Niners, what are they going to do with their draft pick, right? Yeah. There's a lot of other sports storylines that I feel like the A's always kind of get pushed to the side a little bit, but if this win streak continues and we'll see, you know, if it can continues this weekend um, becomes a bigger and bigger thing, Feldy, when a team wins, when the team reaches a double digit win streak like this, at what point do you allow yourself to start thinking about that magic number 20 that we know is affiliated with the A's a little bit? Are you thinking about it now or is it still too early? No, it's, it's still too early. What, yeah. what I was thinking about is this is the, the ninth time in Oakland history. They have had a win streak of 10 or more games. Yeah. And the previous eight in those seasons, all eight of those seasons, the A's went to the postseason. So I, I think of this as a very good harbinger of things to come. That historically, if the A's have a 10-game winning streak, they go to the postseason. You have to go back to the Kansas City A's 
1959 and had an 11 gamer the Kansas City A's did not go to the postseason ever uh, so that puts the A's in a good spot uh, it, it's making up for this 0-6 start and as we talked about the way to get back into it is winning series and they're doing that and they're doing it by winning every game which is great to me it's just continue on winning series right you go to Baltimore yeah you like to sweep them but you want to make sure that you get out of there with two out of three you go to Tampa, you want to take three out of four. And Tampa is going to be a battle. Tampa's a very good team. Um, winning series. I think when you start talking about 20-game win streak, I think if they get up to 15 or 16, then you start thinking about it. Because even, you know, when the A's in 2002 were, were winning the 20 in a row, um, they go to Kansas City uh, for win number 14 and 15. And uh, at the time, there was a labor disagreement and there was a possible strike that was coming up or a baseball shutdown was taking over uh the a's longest winning streak in oakland was 14 at the time uh that they had done in 88 and so even when the a's won their 15th in kansas city i remember the last out went to eric burns and uh he ends up throwing the ball into the seats and you're like no no that's a historic baseball and he i remember him in the clubhouse afterwards he's like he had no idea because nobody was really talking about it because everybody was so focused on this labor issues so i think for now even even without the labor issues but everything else going on i think you start thinking seriously about 20 when you get to 15. okay okay i for some reason 13 jumps into my mind i, I don't know how <laughs> okay. 13 jumps into my mind it's a random number but <laughs> we had to say 13 I think uh, I think maybe the buzz starts a little bit more, but it's interesting. You know, they had that unplanned off day Monday, right, where they were yes. supposed to play the Twins. And they got postponed because of the COVID nineteen issues with Minnesota, and that didn't derail the momentum. No. Now they're coming off an off day. Now they're going on the road. You wonder how these different elements now, um, if it throws off the mojo at all. Uh, but it hasn't so far to this point. Uh, let me throw this at you real quick before we wrap up here. American League West. Um, what do you see when you look at the American League West? Still, Seattle's been playing good baseball so far. I, I, I'm not convinced they're going to have much staying power. Um, but what do you see with the Astros scuffling right now? I, I still think the Astros, that's a team I'm keeping my eye on. I know the Angels have been okay so far. But to me, when I'm looking at the competition, the AL West, um, it's still Houston as much as they've been scuffling so far. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like Houston still the team. This is the worst they're going to play this year. They've had the COVID issues. They lost their players. I think this is, you know, they've gone, they've lost nine out of ten. And they're not going to play this bad the rest of the year, I don't think, um, unless it's just one of those lost seasons. And the chances of that happening are about 5%. No, I still think that offense and that pitching, I think they're going to get back into it. Seattle's had a nice start. Seattle had a nice start two years ago. I'm sorry, what, 15-2 and two or 15-3, and three, and then they just disappear. Um, I think Seattle's getting better, and uh, they got some young talent, and it seems like they have a, a good vibe going there. But I don't think they have the talent that the A's and the Astros do. Um, the Rangers have a long way to go. The Angels are the interesting team to me. Um, because you still have Mike Trout, who's playing at an MVP level again. Right right now, as we talk, he's hitting 393. He's got six homers, an OPS over 1,300. Mm -hmm. uh, ridiculous. Shohei Otani, offensively, I mean, we haven't seen him hit like this. He's hitting 310 with five homers three doubles, two triples. I mean, he's an offensive force. Forget about what he's able to do on the mound. He finally got back on the mound and they're expecting him to start taking his turn now in that rotation. Huge. Uh, Rendon's been uh, hurt. So he's been out of the lineup. They're going to get him back soon though. But they're going to get him back soon. 
Uh, Jared Walsh, who's taking at bats from Albert Pujols, and deservedly so. Jared Walsh is true. This is a very good offensive team. But they still feel like the Angels to me. They still lose games. They have no right losing. Last night against the Rangers, they have the lead, and they have just kind of no-name pitching staff that can't hold leads. And the bullpen is definitely an issue for them. And it just seems like the same old story for the Angels where, yeah, it's a pretty exciting offense, but they don't have the pitching to back it up. Yeah, I'm with you. That's what I see when I look at that Angels team as well. The A's now heading on the road. Three at Camden, four, I believe, at the Trop in St. Petersburg against the Tampa Bay Rays after that. So the A's heading back east right now, a little east coast swing. We'll see uh, how they continue to fare across the country here uh, before they come back home. So, Feldy, good talking to you again. Thanks to Brian Johansson for joining us today for the first segment of our podcast. That was great stuff. David, good talking to you, and I uh, want to thank all the fans, as always, for, for checking us out here. You can find the Green and Bull podcast um, anywhere you go to find your podcast, folks. That's where you can find us. If you want to go to Apple Podcasts, drop us a rating. We always appreciate that. Um, go to BigHeadsMedia.com, as Brian was uh, generous enough to mention. BigHeadsMedia.com. You can find all of our podcasts there. You can find a little Green and Bull merchandise there. And uh, appreciate it, folks. Keep listening. We'll be back soon to talk to you more. Feldy, thank you so much. Yep. Definitely. And, if, and if fans out there, if you have a unique origin story that you want to share with us, uh, we're looking for uh, unique stories about how you became A's fans and you can be a guest on the podcast. Yeah. Or if you've got a friend, if you're like, hey, I know so-and-so, they're a person that's worth talking to, uh, drop us a line on Twitter too and let us know about that person. So yeah, that was enjoyable today. I'm looking forward to doing that a little bit more. David, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode of the Green and Bold Podcast. <laughs>